0: It appears Lincoln Riley has found his man for the defense. You are Locked On Trojans, your daily podcast on the USC Trojans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Fight on, everyone. I'm your host, Mark Culkin, and thank you for making Locked On USC your first listen every day. Whether you're watching on YouTube or wherever you like to download your podcast, we are free. And I so appreciate your support. If you are watching on YouTube and you haven't done it yet, you still got a chance. It's free. Hit that subscribe button. And if you like the episode, any of the episodes, go ahead and hit the like button. Both mean a whole heck of a lot. And to all of you who have already become a subscriber, thank you. So very, very, very much. All right, so Lincoln Riley said during the offseason, back in January, that he was going to get more involved with the defense in 2023. So he decided he's going to bring in somebody with a ton of experience. The USC staff is getting ready to uh, add an experienced defensive mind as longtime defensive coordinator, analyst, assistant Greg Brown is set to join the staff. As an analyst. And this is according to Matt Zenitz of On Three. Last season, Brown was the defensive coordinator at North Carolina Charlotte. And he brings some Pac 12 experience with him back to USC. Um, He spent time all over the country coaching college and in the NFL. But while he was in the Pac 12, he served as Colorado's defensive coordinator in 2011 and 2012. And at that point, I said, all right, well, let me go do some digging. See what those defenses looked like back then. Let's start with Colorado. Um, in 2011, John Embry were, was the Buffalo's head coach. They finished that year 3-10. and 13-game schedule. They played Hawaii. Uh, they happened to lose that game on the islands. And that defense that season gave up an average of 36 points per game. Not too good. The following year, it got even worse. Uh, Colorado's team went one and eleven. They surrendered forty six points per game, and that number just happened to be dead last in the NCAA. But that's sinking. Now, before that, uh, he was he had done some. Um, he had coached the, the Buffalo's defensive backs between two thousand five and two thousand ten, and. Between that stop, he was the co-defensive coordinator at the University of Arizona in 2010. So this is where the uh, the so- Oklahoma Sooner connection comes into focus a little bit more clearly with Lincoln Riley. The Wildcats head coach back in 2010 was Mike Stoops. Yes, brother of uh, Bob Stoops. Mike Stoops was the defensive coordinator. He calls the defense. Uh, Arizona was actually pretty decent that year, Uh, 7-6 overall record. And defensively, they gave up just a shed under 23 points per game, 22.7 if we're going to be exact. So I wanted to see if it got, uh, I wanted to see if Arizona's defense got better or worse when Brown went back to Colorado in 2011. So, well, for one thing, Stoops got fired the following year. Uh, that year, they started out 1-5, and yes, the defense got worse. So, here's my question. Is this the extent of Lincoln Riley's Rolodex? I'm not knocking Greg Brown. You know, he's a 67-year-old professional assistant coach. Uh, he's got a great reputation, or, you know, how else did he last this long in the industry, right? Well, look, we know assistant coaches. We know coaches, Period they're hired to be fired i mean that's their credo but we also know that you know the coaching fraternity is very incestuous um, once you establish your relationships you're going to find another job somewhere it's just a matter of are you willing to you know maybe take a step down move laterally whatever it takes to to keep your to keep your toe dipped in the pool mm-hmm. So, again, you know, is this the best that Lincoln can do? It's it's not like there isn't an, an Ed Orgeron sitting around out there doing nothing on LSU's dime. Or, you know, it would that take into consideration? And, you know, would Ed being close by cause too much consternation for Alex Grinch? Not to mention, it gives Riley, you know, something else to think about, you know, Ed Orjon is another, another former head coach. We know his history with USC. And Coach O has a very strong personality. Could that, you know, maybe cause a little bit of a tug of war in the locker room? I don't know. That's just something to consider. I mean, heck, Charlie Strong was out there hanging out before Nick Saban brought him in to Alabama this year as an analyst. Again, not knocking Greg Brown. I'm just wondering. You know, not the most. I guess not the splashiest name out there is the best way to put it. And on that note, um, since it's not a splashy name, maybe this will give uh, USC fans a little bit more confidence. Greg Brown actually coached defensive backs for Nick Saban at Alabama back in 2013, and he did the same for Gus Malzahn at Auburn in 2017 and 2018. We know Nick Saban likes to work with defensive backs. That's his. Specialty. Something else that should give Trojan fans a little bit of confidence. Uh, Brown has coached three Jim Thorpe award winners. Dion figures at Colorado in 92. Chris Hudson at Colorado in 94. And he also coached up Gerard Holloman at Louisville back in 2014. Little, uh, little footnote. Holloman played strong safety for Louisville. And Chris Hudson was also a safety at Colorado. Deion Figures played cornerback. We know that Alex Finch is USC's defensive coordinator. We also know that he specializes with the safeties. Interesting. Dante Williams is the cornerback coach. So, did Lincoln Riley, through game film, sitting down with the coaches, did he identify the defensive area that requires his involvement the most? His attention and or is it you know is this just uh all kind of circumstantial evidence we're going to talk about that in the next segment first the built bar madness bracket is here yeah we know you have a favorite built bar puff now is your time to make it count go to builtmarchmadness.com to vote your favorites You know I'll be voting for the cookies and cream and the double chocolate bar puff. I'm a huge chocolate dude. And if you want USC to win, then you'll be supporting that bar too. Support your team, support your bar or puff regardless. And when you vote for your favorite bar or puff, you'll also be entered into a drawing where 50 lucky locked-on listeners will win a free box at Built. Not only that, but one built one locked on fan will win a 12 month subscription to built to have built best bars or puffs delivered monthly straight to your front door. You got to try built, built is the best protein bar ever. Seriously, no joke, they're so amazing, you won't even think they're good for you. And what makes built bars and their puffs so good? Well, for starters, they're all high in protein, low in sugar, and covered. Say it with me: 100% real chocolate. That's right, real chocolate. So run to Built March, run to BuiltMarchMadness.com right now to vote for your favorite bar or puff, and pick up a box while you're there. You can vote every day in March, so hop on in and support your pick. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right. Hey, go grab your bracket. It's March Madness. And go listen to Locked On College Basketball Bracket Breakdown. With national analysts and insights from your local experts, the Locked On College Basketball Bracket Breakdown has everything you need to make the most informed decisions on your bracket. Find the episode Find the episode on Lockdown College Basketball, wherever you get your podcast on YouTube. All right, we're going to talk some hoops here. But first, USC's defense, it cannot be stated enough. It has to get better in 2023. And for two simple reasons fight on. Number one, this is Caleb Williams last year at USC. And they almost made the playoffs last year with a poor defensive performance. Number two, fight on. This is Caleb Williams last year at USC and the Trojans cannot let another opportunity be squandered like what happened last year. No one anticipated USC to even be vying for the playoffs in, in their first year. Remember, they were 4-8 and in 2021. So... Is Greg Brown that genie in the bottle? I mean, he's joining the other analysts on that side of the ball Taylor Mays, Bookie Radley Hiles, Brendan, formerly. Those are defensive analysts this season. Last year, Taylor Mays was a student assistant. I dubbed him student assassin because he still looks like he could play and suit up. Literally, I'm not joking. That's not hyperbole. And Radley Hiles, um, he spent last year uh, as a student assistant. Well, he played for Lincoln Riley. He wasn't really, he wasn't officially on USC staff, but he was at every, it seemed like he was every at every single one of USC's fall camp or fall practices. When I was there, I saw him. And then Parker Henry, um, he's going to continue to um, hold the title of senior defensive analyst slash assistant linebackers coach with Brian Odom. So, I mean, is this, again, are these really the best guys available right now? This isn't a knock, but um, Taylor Mays and Bookie, these are young dudes. Not a lot of coaching experience. But, you know, that doesn't mean these aren't young guns with bright futures. So, is Riley going with what makes him comfortable? And he's helping Grinch with an experienced game mind in Greg Brown to help these young analysts that can help Grinch. If, if if, Alex doesn't have to worry about his young analyst, he could focus on other areas. And if Greg Brown can be like the, um, the guy who says, you know, snatch the pearl from my palm grasshopper with all that experience, 67 years. I mean, he's been around. That's a benefit. Look, we know USC's recruited the secondary really well. And they've used the portal to to fill their needs, up and down, both sides of the ball. But let's, you know, just kind of focus in on the defense right now, specifically the secondary. Last year, they brought in Makai Blackman. This year, they're bringing in Christian Roland Wallace to play cornerback, both of them. So, again, while the talent, while the roster's talent is getting better, uh, is the addition of an analyst that's known for working in the secondary, is that going to make the difference in 2023? No, no. In 2022, the defensive line had USC's best defensive player, Tuli Tui Well, we know he's off to the NFL. And we know that USC brought in a bunch of talent uh, during this offseason, for you know, Coach Nua and and Coach Odom and and Coach Manning to work with. As far as Nua is concerned, he's trying to find his next toolie. Um, And I mentioned that the uh, first spring camp practice, the only one that we've been to so far on Wednesday last week, uh, that you know, Sean's got a pretty decent sized room. Corey Foreman has been gifted to him. We'll see what he can do. Uh, I thought last year the linebackers were another area where USC struggled on defense. And when I say struggled, I'm talking about with injury and playmaking ability. They made plays, but they could have used more of it. So, again, the portal was kind to USC. They've dropped off a couple of linebackers, and they've got, you know, freshman freshman um, phenom, hopefully, Taka Curtis. He's already learning on the job quickly during spring camp. So as I said, Greg Brown has defensive coordinator experience. So he'll be able to help Grinch get things figured out, right? That's the goal. That's the game plan. And as we've said, as I've said, as many other analysts, pundits have mentioned, USC's defense, they don't have to be great in 2023 for them to make the playoffs. They just need to improve. Remember, last year, USC scored 41 points per game. They gave up on average 29 points. So that 12-point differential should have been enough. I mean, we know that USC is going to score points like a pinball machine in 2023. They're going to be really good on offense assuming Caleb Williams stays healthy for the entire year. So can Greg Brown help the defense not look like they're being lit up like a pinball machine? Again, it's the points, giving up 29 points per game in in this era of college football, when you're scoring 41 plus, that'll get the job done. It was other areas where they need to get better on defense. That was with tackling. That was getting physically stronger. Um, and, you know, last year, their their plus plus-minus ratio was through the roof. I mean, they led the nation. 28 turnover takeaways, I believe. I will sacrifice five takeaways for 150 more tackles, if that even makes sense. I think you know where I'm going with this. Just Look like a better defense. Get better as the season goes on. Stay healthy. Make the playoffs. Let's see if this is the key. For all we know, hey, maybe Lincoln Riley isn't done yet. He might be out there uh, looking through his Rolodex, seeing who else is available. We'll find out soon enough. Right now, though, we are at the midway point of the NBA season. You know that, right? I'm not watching the Lakers. I'm still, I am still uh, protesting. And everybody knows why, who's watched. I'm not the biggest LeBron James fan. Anyways, we are still at the midway point of the NBA season, and it's here. So now is the perfect time for you to download FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Why? Well, because if you're a new customer you're going to get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's a bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. So just download the, the FanDuel Sportsbook. It's safe, it's secure, and it's really super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to the point scores, The who made the most three-pointers in that game. If you're a prop bet guy, go check out FanDuel. You're going to love it. And with FanDuel, it also lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same-game parlay. So if you're one of those risk-takers, jump on in. So don't miss out on the chance to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets back when you go to FanDuel.com forward slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com forward slash locked on to learn more, make every moment more with FanDuel an official sports betting partner of the NBA. All right. I do not ever want to hear again in my life from one USC fan because I will jump through the computer screen and we'll have words. might get physical. I never want to hear that USC is a football school and that's why they don't care about basketball. Tell that to Alabama fans. USC owns West Coast. Alabama rules the Southeast and a lot of the rest of the country when it comes to football. However, both are known for their football programs and their national championships, playing football. And Heismans, especially for USC. Look, the West Coast, LA, Alabama, These are two distinct different parts of the country. One part of the country where faith, family, football actually means something. I think you know what I'm talking about. The other part of the country has the L.A. Lakers. They've seen Magic Johnson, Kareem, James Worthy, Kobe Bryant. So that would kind of tell you, hey, the West Coast, that's your basketball That's your basketball coast. And without USC football, the West Coast is a basketball coast. It's not known for football. But here's the kicker. Alabama's Crimson Tide, their basketball program, their number one seed in the field of 68 this year. Yeah. So I know it can be done. It's possible. A football school can be good in both revenue-generating sports. I mean, heck, Florida, the Gators, they won a couple of national titles in basketball. So why not USC? USC Hoops has won a school record 95 games over the last four seasons. Those 95 total wins are tied for fourth most among all Power Six basketball programs. That trails only two NCAA champions, Kansas, who has 108, Baylor, who has 103, as well as Arizona, who has 96. You noticed UCLA's name was missing from that top echelon. For the third straight season, and the, this is going to be the 20, USC's 20th appearance in the big dance. They're going dancing for three straight years. This is the second time it's happened in USC's history. The Previous time back uh, 20, 2007 to th- 2009. This year's Trojans are 22 and 10, 14 and 6 in the Pac 12. That was good for third place regular season. We all know they took a dump first round the uh, Pac 12 tournament, but they're going, they got a 10 seed. So auto bid. <clears throat> they're going to be in the East region. They're going to face number seven seed, Michigan State. In Columbus, Ohio, Michigan State is coming into the tournament at 19 and 12. Now, you, some of you might remember the last time USC and Michigan State hooped it up together. Um, that was back when Desmond Farmer, assistant coach Desmond Farmer, he was sitting on the bench as a player because Henry Bibby was trying to prove a point. Um, Desmond Farmer's from the state of Michigan, Flint. And I'm not sure what was going on, but Desmond did not get in that game. And that really ticked me off. And it ticked off a lot of fans. So as far as this game is concerned, 7-10 seed games, those aren't really upsets. They're actually, they're considered pick games. And if USC can get by Michigan State, the game's going to be played in Columbus, Ohio, by the way. Welcome to the big conference a year early. But I think that's going to give uh, USC basketball and the fans who show up out there um, an idea what that environment's going to be like. There's another little benefit here with the uh, USC is going to be tip off against Michigan State on Friday. Um, that extra day is actually huge. It's going to help USC hopefully get Drew Peterson and Vince Uwuchuku healthier. Uh, before that game. Now, why should USC fans um, be concerned? Well, Michigan State is a, I don't, they're a basketball school. Tom Izzo is a legendary coach. They were just selected to uh, the the tournament for the 25th straight year. That's the most ever in NCAA history. They're considered a two-point favorite coming out of the box, according to Vegas. We'll see how where that line, which way that line moves, uh, as we get closer to the game. Now, Sparty, Michigan State, they went five and five in their last ten regular season games. USC was slightly better; they went six and four. That's the good news. Uh, If you follow USC as well as college hoops, um, you know this is going to be a tough draw. Number one. Uh, Michigan State has excelled this year with the three-point line, both on offense as well as defending it. They shoot 40% beyond the arc. That's third in the nation. They trail only Colgate and Toledo. They're a 30.9% success rate defending the three-point line. It's pretty good. It ranks 34th. Now, we also have to now consider USC's issues with the outside shooting. They shoot just 34.5% from beyond the arc. That's good for 168th in this nation. And they, they they launch about 19 threes per game. So, with that said, don't be surprised if USC wins this game. This isn't your typical Tom Izzo squad. Fourth place in the big conference. Uh, 19 wins overall. If USC can win the battle of boards, I know that's asking a lot, and get Sparty to miss some of their threes, they've got the chance. And then, should USC win, they're going to face the winner of number two seed, Marquette, who's going to take on Vermont. Purdue is the number one seed in the East region. Purdue would be a terrible matchup for USC. Because the Boilermakers are huge inside. They have a seven-footer plus. His name is Zach Eady. And that dude is going to eat Josh Morgan and Vince Uachuku's lunch. And then he's going to spit it back out at them. He's a monster. Some other notable names in USC's eastern bracket. Kentucky. Just a reminder. USC is a football school. Kentucky is a basketball school. <laughs> USC's 4-0 all-time versus uh, the Wildcats. Just letting you know. Number four seed in that region, Tennessee. You might remember back in November, uh, USC choked that game away uh, back in the Bahamas. Literally choked that game away and lost in overtime. Oh, the fifth seed in the region. You know these guys, Duke. They just won the ACT. ACC tournament, Duke. The ACC this year was down. Miami was the best team throughout the season. Uh, so this isn't your best Duke team, but they're good. They're getting better at the end of the year, and that's what you want. So good luck USC. We all remember that elite eight year versus Duke. If you can get that far and can play Duke, go get revenge. Look. I don't anticipate USC getting very far this year. Um, If they can get the the Elite Eight, that would be great. Um, I remember that loss to Duke, and I prefer that loss much more than their most recent Elite Eight um, run, where they got smoked by Gonzaga a couple years ago. That was right after USC smoked Kansas, who was a number one seed this year. All right we're at the end of this episode of locked on usc. i can go on a little bit further. but spring camp they're on break for the next uh 10 days or so whatever. they resume uh, they'll resume back on the 21st. we'll be out there. we'll have that all for you. and i'm going to have four more episodes of locked on usc for you this week and going to cover football. going to cover the tournament too. but i know where your bread is buttered. So don't worry about it. All right. Once again, thank you for making Locked on USC your first listen. Don't forget to check out Locked on College Basketball this week over on YouTube. They're going to be doing the bracket breakdown. You got to check it out. And when you're done with Locked on USC, we know where to go. Head on over to weRSC.com. Got a lot of good content up there. Check out Chris Arledge's musings. Eric McKinney's breaking stuff down. Scott Schrader, he's bringing the recruiting noise. Till our next episode of Locked On USC, you know what to do.